Welcome to New Type Flash Podcast. This is episode seven. Uh, today we're going to be addressing uh, Mobile Suit Gundam movie one, and we're also going to touch on episode four and episode 11 of the TV show. So if you haven't watched those, go back, give it a watch, and then listen, and then you'll be caught up with us. Um, uh, we've got your host. I'm your ho- host, Lane. Uh, we've also got uh, Scotty. Hey. And Luke. Hello. Luke um, wasn't in episode seven, though. Why is he on this episode seven? We should have Kylo for this one. <laughs> um, I'll show up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what an awful gag that would be. Like, Luke, you just stay quiet now until the end of the episode. You have to have the deepest <laughs> thought possible. In the beginning of episode eight, I'll be like, fuck it. <laughs> All right, so why are we covering episodes four and 11? Well, yeah, before we get to that, I, I just want to address, um, we're, we're going to cover this a little bit differently than we covered the, the origin episodes. Since we're covering a whole movie, which is going to basically cover like 15 episodes of content, um, we're not going to cover um, uh, two hours of podcast. We're, we're going to try to keep it a little bit higher level, um, just kind of discuss the things we find cool, the things that maybe we find different from like origin or something along those lines. And we're not going to do a one for one for the manga right now. We might do that later on um, in like a retrospective episode or something along those lines. But um, we're going to try to keep it a little bit higher level so you don't listen to two hours of podcast for two hours of content. So I can't, <laughs> Scotty, I feel like you're sitting there with like a line of Red Bull and beer and coffee. Like, damn it, I was I was ready for no ready for the few hours. Unfortunately, all I have is a glass of water. But when you brought me onto the show, you should have known there would be two hour episodes. You didn't listen to my <laughs> other shows, and that's okay because you don't like Transformers, and you would be really bored. I I have listened to one or two episodes of your other show. Um, I'm not going to comment if I made it through all of them, but <laughs> okay. hey, look. It's it is a super dork Transformers show, but anyhow, this see you, now I'm rambling. This is how we get two hours. Take it away. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go ahead and start. Uh, actually, go ahead, Scotty, an- answer Luke's question. Why why are we watching episode four and eleven? And yes. I'll try to slipstream those in as we get to that point in the movie as well. Right. So the Mobile Suit Gundam compilation movies, I think, do a generally good job of giving you the experience of the story that is told in much longer and greater detail in the television uh, version, or, uh, the episodic anime version that's 43 episodes. But I think one of the things that we want to do as we go along here is try to just pick up with each of the compilation movies an episode or two or more, just whatever feels appropriate that might help, you know, flesh out a character more or flesh out a theme or make part of the plot, make more sense uh, in a, in a good way. So that was pretty much all it was is uh, trying to give you the, you know, I, I think the movies on a high level are a great way for a newcomer to experience the series. And then I think the next level would be, Hey, you know, dive into the whole series itself um, but then there's an in-between, which is kind of non-standard, but there's watch the movies and then kind of hit some key episodes that flesh out other details, which is the approach we're taking, at least for now. Cool. So let's go ahead and get started with the movie. Um, all right. So some background we see in, in this in the story that I don't think Origin addressed too much that I thought was interesting is um, in the intro, I guess, kind of the recap of 
origin in a way is um, both sides lost half of their population. So origin really talked about, you know, dropping the first colony on earth and how earth was just like devastated, but you never really see in origin them addressing uh, much about Zeon losing half of their population as well. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I don't recall them ever, ever really talking about how that happened or if that was just like general war casualties, but if I'm not mistaken, um, there's not really a gap between origin and this, like it, Origin ends right where this movie, where the movie and the show starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so again, we're talking about the the anime origin that we've already been covering, but yeah, it does. Um, it, it walks straight into this. That's a good point. I'm not sure how they how maybe in the novelization or the manga or something like that, they, they address it in a little bit more detail exactly how that happened. But I assume just general war casualties. Yeah. Well, I think the generally accepted thing for a long time was that half of the population, as far as Zeon goes, wasn't necessarily just Zeon, but perhaps the colonies because Zeon was attacking various colonies outside of what we see with, uh, you know, loom and Texas getting messed up and, um, and, we also see, you know, and we'll get to these series later, but you have like the Thunderbolt sector and there's colonies there. And then as you go through the rest of the series, you just see, hey, this was a colony um, that's been destroyed. So uh, I don't think they cover it directly. I think that's probably one of those things that they have a lot of like um, side mangas for and and other things like that. But there's a lot of stuff set in like 0079 and 0080 that covers a lot of what's going on and, and some of it's good. A lot of it's not good. So, I mean, you can, you can definitely get a feel for yeah. that. Uh, especially what's, what is it? Uh, Igloo. Yeah. Igloo talks a lot about this sort of stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. another part of it is indirectly addressed in the last episode of origin in episode six, part of revels whole thing about Xeon being exhausted is that they have expended so many soldiers and they're right. trying to put on airs and make it look like they haven't but they're really going through some humans. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I just thought that was like an interesting note and it was only like a sentence in the show, but uh, it it was something that kind of struck me, uh, especially like right after watching origin um, that they didn't really emphasize it, but Hey, I thought that was It's like your bold comic Um, book claim. Nothing will ever be the same again after this issue. And at some (laughs) point we all took it literally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so one thing to note too, um, there's a lot of retconning uh, in Origin, and I think we talked about it as we were going through the episodes of Origin. But when you watch this, there's stuff that you kind of get a feel for the retconning. Like, uh, what's a good example? Like the uh, like like we'll talk about it later. But Rawl having a, uh, a more advanced version of the Zaku or the Goof or whatever, or like mobile suits not being able to stuff like like just detail little details that they kind of slightly altered. So you'll you'll notice a trend of that throughout the Throughout the movies. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a I had a purely uh, selfish note in here. Um, the intro music for the beginning of of the show was just it reminded me very much of um, like Akira Kurosawa movies, uh, where you have like the, I mean, and again, it fits the time period that it was from the the um, early eighties, late seventies, where where you have like the just like the samurai music where it's like uh, a drum that's like boom, 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 boom. You know, I, I just thought that yeah. was cool. A little bit um, of inspiration from, but, uh, but, sorry, but, as I say, Star Wars took a lot of inspiration from that as well. And that's 
Um, in the same time period, this would have been this movie. I think was the same year as Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, this one came out in eighty one. Oh, after yeah, and and yeah, it was a little bit after eighty one. I think. Um, yeah, it, it it just it was just really interesting, and I think we 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 talked about it in one of the previous episodes. It might have been the last episode um, that a lot of the the Gundams have um, kind of like uh, they're based off of like samurai and and ninjas and stuff like that like their their builds were originally based off of that type of armor if you looked at looked at it and compared it to those time periods and they have some now that are based off of waifus anyway um, (laughs) anyway haro has arms and and here we we have haro has arms legs haro has legs yeah yeah which is deeply unsettling well i was actually and um Amuro is naked as well. We we have some consistency with um, or, origin. So Amuro being naked is canonically consistent. Yeah, well, you know, Luke was asking about some of those retcons, and I think that might be a good place to start with a, a, an example here where in origin we see Amuro studying up on the Gundam through his dad's stuff, and then we see all the equipment get confiscated because they figure Amuro was looking at it. Um, and so he knows something about it, and... Uh, so then when you get into the action of it, it's, he sees it and he's like, Oh, I know what that is. Uh, you know, and he's, he's not just stumbling onto it going, Oh, it's a robot. What is this? Whereas in, uh, this movie in the series, Oh, whoops, there's this instruction manual. What's this for? Oh, it's this giant right. robot. Yeah. Con- yeah. Convenient instruction manual just falls right next to the robot. The super top secret. Yeah, so so like the context we get is you know Amro's naked. The origin is or the, sorry, not the origin. The colonists are being evacuated from the colony because you know Zeon's coming. Uh, and, and if you guys want to interject at any of this point, let me let me just speak up. Um, there's this nice new ship. It's called White Base. It sparkles, so it's new. Um, we meet. That's how you um, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there were sparkles i was like ah that's that's neat literal sparkles everywhere <laughs> um on white base on gundam on char's face <laughs> we we meet pre-captain bright who is fresh out of military academy has six months of military service i have um, an inter- interjection yeah so i watched the dub of this i assume you guys watched the dub i considering I just kind of what happens. So I watched the dub and well, I watched the movie dub and then I've like you guys, I watched episode four and 11 with um, the redub original dub. Is it original or is it dub uh, redub? Cause I think the original dub is, is with well, British, British Bread is in the movies. They, that group did not do a dub of the series. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the English dub that I have, I consider that, in, I don't know if that's the original dub, but in my head, that's yes, the is. original dub to me where everyone sounds normal. <laughs> and in this one, British bright. So you brought up bright being six months. He's never been to earth. How is he British? <laughs> start there. Sela is like Russian or like Slovakian or something. <laughs> and she's only been to Spain. Like what's happening? Terrible dub, but we do get Spike Siegel. In this one. The voice of Char is, is the very first voice acting role of, uh, Steve Bloom. So kind of cool if you care about that sort of thing. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> All right. So um, we have a Xeon sneak attack coming to side seven. Um, and we have this guy that's coming in hardcore Xeon Zaku fighter. He's like, I will be famous like Char. So obviously, you know, anybody that declares something like that is 
very short for this world. Yeah. Yeah, I think he specifically said, you don't get in trouble if you're a hero. Yeah, I think the <laughs> subtitle was, uh, I watched the movie in Japanese with English subtitles because I bought the discs, and there is no dub on the Blu-ray disc of the movies if you go buy them. Uh, probably, probably, I don't know. I, you yes. know, I have the movies on tape, and yeah, most of that dub is really bad, but I do like British Bright. That's true. <laughs> I, I can't stand British Bright. You, you should have a a Japanese dub except for when yes. Bright speaks. We should. <laughs> I feel like that would be the best of but, all you know, things. The, the, the other nice part is going through Double uh, O again, kind of on the side. Uh, Almero is that damn ribbons. So that's a nice little bit of cognitive dissonance when you're going through it. Uh, at least being separated by 30 years helps. Well, I don't remember what I was talking about, so keep going. All right. So, um, so again, I'm, I'm not going to go to step-by-step on here, but Amaro gets to see the Gundam. One thing I like about this is like, we get kind of into it really quick. I think within 10 minutes, um, like Zeon is broken in the place has been attacked. People are evacuating. Amaro finds the Gundam. He's like, get into the Gundam and then starts having to fight people. I need you. It's like credits roll 10 minutes in. All of this has already happened, which I really like compared to the original series. It's it's Gundam, by the way. Yeah, that's oh God. This is this, and everyone says it too. I can't stand it. It's it's funny because towards the end of the episode, there's like a few people that actually don't say it, but it's it's just like them butchering um, Hayato's name. Um, like there's like one actor oh, that says yeah. it right, and everybody yeah. else is like Hayato or something like that. They call it uh, Char Shah. Oh man, 90s message board yeah. debates. Just terrible, pointless ones about how you were either supposed to spell or pronounce Char's name in English. And that was the best <laughs> thing that ever came out of Gundam Wing getting popular and then them going, let's bring over the original series because that'll work. Anyway, uh, was it, it gave an official pronunciation and spelling. Finally. <laughs> There is one guy listening to this, maybe more, that's going, no, I still have an argument from 1993, and it's probably a completely valid argument. But everyone's wrong. Yeah, it's it's all good. (laughs) All right, so Emero finds the Gundam. It's turned on, so he he, uh, can just use it. Um, He finds the manual. He can just, like, power read through it. He just wants to help, yeah. so so he jumps in, and um, uh, after Zeon kills a bunch of people, um, including all of Frau's family, um, yeah. and I just had to note too, holy shit, Frau is so annoying when she's like crawling away. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, do you, mean, do you mean the point where her, she watched her parents get killed and they were laying dead in front of her? Yeah, that part. Okay, some compassion, compassion on display here. <laughs> super empathetic uh, i think i think they explained originally that uh Amaro's ability to pilot it was like early manifestation of his new type of abilities and like that's why he jumped in and could pilot yeah and and um and actually in episode 11 i, I know i'm jumping ahead a little bit um Amaro actually has a has an interesting talk that so i i haven't watched all of the original series so don't hit me but um it, <laughs> He, he sits down and he's like talking to Kai and a few of the other guys um, and explaining the the why Gundam is so um, you, like different than yeah, what I guess, the Zaku's. It from a standard and it's, mobile it's, suit. 
Yeah. And and he's basically like the operating system learns, you know, the the Gundam learns. So like I don't have to be the best pilot. Um but it it you know, every time I fight, it basically figures out like different things and learn. So um, it's kind of cool that, you know, yeah, this first time it's probably like the first time it fights and every other successive battle he has, I'm sure he's getting better, but also the operating system is getting better and learning like, Hey, if this guy, you know, this is probably completely theoretical, but you know, like if, if Amaro has a tendency to aim a little bit too far to the left, the, the aiming reticule will be like a little bit to the right or something, you know, like, it'll basically compensate for him in the movie they talk about that i think they kind of sort of address it a little bit because he talks there's one point where he goes out um uh when they right after they escape the colony he's trying to shoot and he's like he's like oh everything's out of whack like everything's the calibration's off nothing's working right um i don't understand what's going wrong um and they never really address what what happened with that in the movie right right um yeah but this this throughout this movie the federation is clearly hiring top level tech writers because all of their manuals are just so awesome um i mean look when you're you know when you're 15 and you see a book with v on the front you know (laughs) just gotta dive in so uh i'll note that every single instruction manual for these super advanced robots is like I don't know, less than your standard high school textbook in, in thickness. <laughs> one, one of the things, this is a complete aside. One of the things that I always was curious about with the controls is if you watch these shows, people basically have a couple of foot pedals and a couple of joysticks and not much else, right? Some triggers. Right. The yeah. It's old as hell now, but I know it got an HD remake at some point. Uh, Zone of the Enders. That game's control scheme, what they tried to do, and obviously it's quite still going to be not, you know, like a one for one thing because it's a PlayStation controller, but they essentially said, okay, in all of these shows, people are piloting these with just limited controls. How can we make a game that has very fluid controls that you can just do a lot with without having to press, you know, 18 buttons to do like, one little sequence and things like that. Uh, and Pop quiz. Who is the producer of that game? Kojima, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause it came with a demo of metal gear solid two, which is why it sold yep. out on release. <laughs> Cause everybody wanted to play that. And I played that first. I played the metal gear solid two demo before I played some of the enders. I, so I was a big Kojima fan before um metal gear solid one because i was a big um snatcher fan for sega cd hipster crat over here yeah i had i had a sega cd and i had snatcher and that was like my favorite game for it oh guys oh you're such (laughs) nerds. all right so amaro cuts the zaku in half um he won't be more famous than char at this point um and then dad gets sucked out of the colony when the zaku blows up and thanks amara um and then yeah we see more fighting uh, amaro is actually like he he this is another you know i guess we see the the new type like skills 
coming in. He's like, I have to hit him directly like this or he'll blow up and blow another hole in the colony and suck all the oxygen out. So he just does it like he surgically like murders the pilot in the Gundam without blowing it or the Zaku without blowing it up. He like shot or stabbed the pilot directly through the cockpit. He he stabbed it. He he used his, his, um, so he stabs the guy through the cockpit sword goes through the cockpit then it cuts to the guy in the cockpit like ah as like as he fades out of existence i'm like i feel like that would have been a little more abrupt it was it was pretty brutal (laughs) it was was, that was a dirty way to kill someone so um we bounce back and we get to see mariah again um we haven't seen her since uh origin but she is now apparently memorized the uh manual on how to pilot the white base well i think her (laughs) didn't her family's company build it they were a freighter company or something of that sort they at least owned some kind of space freighters and we see an origin where she's piloting a little something and uh i think it is a it's basically uh i have piloted something like this before right right. that's what it was i I just thought it was funny she was like i've memorized the manual on how to pilot this other thing and it's similar enough right um yeah it's just like bullseye and womp rats in her t16 back home (laughs) exactly um uh, yeah we also see uh the first appearance of shah and sailor who Oh. oh yeah okay no shot <laughs> <laughs> no that, that guy yeah um so he kind of just pops up abruptly in the movie and i feel like they did a little bit of a better job introducing him in the show obviously what with the extra 190 minutes of footage but uh um yeah so uh sayla pops up no real explanation she's there she's on the white base she seems like any other crew member so you don't really get a lot of the context you got from origin obviously, but uh, she runs into Shaw. Uh, they see each other. They recognize each other. We hear the name Artesia for the first time. Then he, like, kicks a gun out of her hand and, and rolls out. And it's and it's funny because um, when we get... When we're talking about the um, movie, or the, the, the TV show, uh, there's... He has a flashback, and he's basically like she seemed familiar you know in the movie they make it seem more definitive and and the tv and the tv show they add a lot more ambiguity to it like oh was that her like she seemed so familiar type thing you know yeah so uh in this i i definitely had i not known their relationship already i would have been a little confused by it because he he walks up he sees her he's like oh artasia and she's like who are you oh uh uh, should like it can't be him it can't be him and it's like what the fuck's going on here yeah i mean the, um, the context clears it's i don't know the, the very not knowing the characters before i watched it the first time forever and ever and ever ago the foreshadowing and context clues it was like oh okay well that's who these people are like, yeah know. yeah i think it's telegraphed pretty obviously yeah and and what's really cool is like after this you know, it, uh, Amro comes up and again, second time piloting the Gundam, uh, Gundam, sorry. Um, he, he tells Sayla, don't worry. I can pick up any, I can pick you up. I can pick an egg up without breaking a shell. How would you know that? <laughs> I don't know. 
Was that what you were doing when the when the civilians were dying? <laughs> he was like sitting there practicing like sensitivity pickups and stuff like that. Oh, look at that! Look at that carton of eggs. I got a little. I got a little time. I wonder. I don't remember that from the subtitles. There is a chance I wasn't paying attention because I was uh, like, I'll note "Oh, it's this first, story again." Okay. Anyway, sorry. I'll note that the, that the English, uh, the the bad dub, the British dub, and the subtitles are not anywhere close to being the same. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they're glaringly different if you watch them on sometimes. It's very, it's, actually, it's like super distracting. I had to cut them off. Um, so Shar and Amaro meet for the first time on the battlefield. Um, and uh, Amaro forces Shar to retreat. Shar is basically, this guy is not a good pilot. He doesn't know what he's doing, but holy crap, I can't get through his armor. That's, that's basically all that mm-hmm. saved Amaro. Obviously, I mean, Char's a an amazing pilot, and Amaro is a seventeen year old boy. Yeah, that's even referenced in later battles where he's thinking like, "Okay, just the machine won't save you this time." You know, once he yeah, and you see you see the progression. He's like, "This guy's getting better. This yeah, guy's getting better." Yeah. Um. So so like the next thing is you know um you know they're uh, Amaro has basically been put in charge of the Gundam. Um. Uh, we we see um, Amaro and Bright kind of like talking to each other, and um, and and Amaro they get in an argument, and basically Bright chastises them, and Amaro's like, "Hey, if you don't like what I'm doing, you go pilot yourself, asshole." And then uh, Bright responds with, "All right, man, you're the boss. You do whatever. I'm giving you all our crew here. Have our best secret weapon." Uh, you're in charge. <laughs> and then, uh, as a side note, we see the first of many uh, times that Bright begins flirting with women. So Bright starts hitting on Sayla. He does, and she calls him right the hell out on it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sounds like fraternizing. He's like, I can't be friendly? No. No, you can't. I just, I just want to say, you know... Bright's a good captain, but he's a terrible person. <laughs> he's kind of abusive and terrible. Yeah, I agree. There's like a whole movie they're making. Three movies about that. Spoilers. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so they have they had to evacuate, and they're going to Luna 2, which is the Federation Forces base in space. Space base. And in the movie, they like show up there, and then Joaquin, who you may remember a little bit from Origin, he's like, "Okay, here's your stuff. Go to Jabro." And they're like, "All right, Joaquin, good to see you, bro." And they peace out and they leave. That's basically what happens in the movie. Yeah, they they yeah, basically yeah. put the civilians in charge of White Base and like send them out. That's like the entire conversation. But I also yeah, it's I also want to bring up really quick um, it, because it's this is like a, a big difference between the TV show and, and the movie um, is Ryu. And mm. in the movie, um, all the kids are pilots already. Um, and in the TV show, show Ryu is a pilot. The big fat guy. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny. He's, he's actually only 18. So he's only like a few years older than him, but he's drawn like a 30 or 40 year old man. <laughs> Yeah, but that's yeah we, we again we talked about this last episode that three years difference is it's a lifetime it kills you 
you have one foot in the grave. Well, the other, <laughs> another kind of, I'm going to say retcon just for the ease of use. I know this isn't quite the right term for what we're using, but anyhow, I know it's not right, but we're using it because it's easy. So that's all. Uh, in origin, Ryu has, we've seen him fly an actual battle. I mean, not in anything yeah. armed, but then when you see this movie and the TV show, he's like, Hey, bright. Can I go fly this core fighter? And he's like, have you ever done anything like this? He's like, I've had two simulated flights. <laughs> yeah, I, I would call it more of an inconsistency. <laughs> yep. Well, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's purposely inconsistent, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of little things like that um, all over the place. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about them more later. Um, but I mean, it's just you'll you'll notice, especially watching. I think if you don't watch them back to back, you probably wouldn't notice this stuff for sure. Well, and- and uh, so, yeah, it is episode four where they talk about the Gundam learning as it fights. Um, this is when the the kids are kind of like being held hostage by the Federation um, at Luna 2. Um, and, and I feel like watching so watching the movie versus watching the TV show versus watching like the, the, the future TV shows, you get a, a good feeling. So like in the movie, you don't get a good feel for the Federation at all, really, I think. Um, and the TV shows, um, and even in, in some of the future compilation movies, I think they do a better job of it, but you get the idea that the Federation is not the good guys. Right. And so Xeon is always bad, right? They, they drop colonies on planets and do terrible things. Um, but the Federation's not like the good guys. They are incompetent in some cases. Um, they are corrupt in a lot of places. Um, they're just not like downright evil. Um, because you know, when they, and so when we go, the big difference is when we talk about the, uh, the TV show versus, um, the movie in regards to the Luna four or sorry, Luna two, uh, in episode four is that they basically arrest all of the kids for mm-hmm. using these top secret weapons that, you know, the military forced them to use. Yeah. And that's more or less what happens there. So you get a whole extra layer of here are the feds being really shitty to people that help them. Yeah. They definitely, yeah, they definitely gloss over that. Here. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then we also see, you know, and this is the context we miss in the movie or, I mean, they don't really address it. So I wouldn't say it's context being missed. They just change what happens. Right. So Shars forces invade Luna to, to, to steal the white base and steal the Gundam. Um, and then, you know, Bright is basically telling the Federation as, hey, this is going to happen. And when it happens, um, finally, they decide to escape. So Bright and Amro jump some soldiers and, and kick their asses and um, start heading towards White Base to get out. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as they're escaping, that they have to work with the Federation a little bit. The original captain of White Base basically says, uh, yeah, let the kids do it. You know, I'll take responsibility, you know, for anything that happens. And then he dies, but they let him. <laughs> I, think they, I think they directly say later that the reason that they were doing it was because they just didn't have anyone else to put on yeah. it. So they, they, and they, kind of, they kind of gloss over that really heavily. So it's, it, you're kind of like, why, why on earth would they let these people, I, like, even if they're doing fine, even if they haven't fucked it up royally, why are they letting them do this? <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the original reason. And once they got to Luna 2, that was the whole idea is that they would 
give them more people and not have to have the kids doing it. And then all this shit happened. And they were like, well, <laughs> you don't have anybody with combat experience in this stuff. There's no training because it's been top secret up until this point. So you might as well let the people that have been successful do this instead of like hoping that you're better. Yeah. Well, so Captain Paolo is this older reservist and he's just been, he was called up basically to help taxi the white base. He's retired. It was something to do. And you get the hint in episode four, not the movie at all, really. This is why we watched episode four of the series. You get this idea that Joaquin really respects him as a, you know, as a senior officer, even though he outranks him now. And so when Paolo kind of has this idea, and is it because he's about to die and he's just trying to, like, maybe I could get back to Earth before I'm dead? Uh, if we can just leave, you know, that we don't ever know if that's the case or if it was just just some feeling that he had and he went with it or if it was just urgency from Char attacking. But, uh, yeah, for all of the different reasons we could ramble on about, all these kids basically now have this new spaceship and a uh, super weapon. Yeah. So they leave Luna too. They start heading towards Earth. Um, there's some more combat between them and, and the Xeon forces. Um, and then uh, they get caught. And Amuro basically, you know, they're starting to re-entry. Amuro's supposed to get in. He doesn't. And then we learn Gundam has its own re-entry system. So Amuro doesn't die. Surprise, surprise. But... Um, Finds that in the manual super yeah, quick. Yeah, that's super handy. In the index, how to survive re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> yes, well, and we see a Zaku pilot that does not. I always hated that scene. Right. I was like, ah, oh, God, eesh, eesh, yikes. That's like, you know, and then when he's going down, he's like screaming like, Commander, I can't stop. I'm like, oh, no, that's rough. Well, the best, the best part was he's like, Char, what do I do? And then Char's like, you die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for your sacrifice. Buddy. You won't be forgotten. You won't die in vain, and then he dies in vain. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be a hero. Your name will be echoed through eternity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the I remember watching this the first time, and it was, it, you know, like a lot of people in America of my age, or at least that came up in the nineties. Gundam Wing was the first thing I watched. And what happens in Gundam Wing in the first yep. episode? You have a guy wearing red with a helmet pursuing something in the atmosphere that, oh, look, that something that we were pursuing is a Gundam. And holy crap, it can re-enter on its own and our suits couldn't. Uh, so I just remember watching this and going, oh, how original. And I was like, wait, oh, no, this is, oh, yeah. <laughs> So we see Garma. We, we're on Earth now. Um, Garma is basically... Um... All right. So Garma's motivations in the movie, at the very least, were a little confusing when you compare them to Origin. Yeah, it was it was very different. Uh, he's got a very different personality. It's similar, but but different enough that it's, it's weird. Well, the big feeling I kept getting was... Um, in origin, he wanted to prove himself to Dozel and to his father, right? And like that was his big thing. He had to convince Dozel to give him a position. He, he wanted his father's approval. He wanted to prove that he could be this great military mind. And then in this, it's just like, oh no, you know how important it is for me to like impress my sister. And that was never a feeling I got during origin. 
Yeah, and and we have to keep in mind too that ostensibly he's only been on Earth for a few months at this point, like yeah. not long yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, but he's somehow fallen in love and is getting Ooh, married. No, he's yeah, he's a Serena girl. What Lane? He's been on Earth like six months at this point. He's the commander. Yeah, has it been? Yeah, but I, I mean, still. Uh, that's not a long time to execute a military campaign, take over a large swath of, of a planet. Dude, it's <laughs> and it's Gundam. That is like so here's, that's forever. No. So okay, here's the thing that I'm I'm kind of confused about though by that whole thing. Um, it, it's not so much the timing, um, but he's in love with this girl so much so that he's willing to completely renounce Zeon for her. Yeah, yeah, that I I I, I think they they play again. This is uh, this is I feel like this is inconsistent with his character from Origin, or his character from Origin is inconsistent with the original series. Either way, yeah. it's 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 because, interesting. Like it's 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 jarring, but it's not like I I still feel like he was still I feel like he was seventy five percent Garma. It was it the fact that he is as passionate as he was with that girl was not out of character from origin. I just felt that his motivations to change in that short of a time, um, it, it was, it was yeah. different. Well, the, the other thing here is that we have to remember in the original series. And then in this movie, Garma's more or less a plot device to expand on the right. character of Char. And then in origin, it's really where he actually gets some character development, which is right. It's true, yeah. I mean, if you think about it from the original series perspective, he's only in the first like not what, even. I mean, when episodes? does he show up? Like episode like, five or six, and then he's something like that. I mean, he's in a very, very small subset of the original series. So that's a, that's yeah. a really good point. And I, I think it's interesting that he yeah. looks more like Garen in this than he's drawn in newer works to me. Yeah, they kind of had like I, I can see. I can yeah, see. they they toned down the Garen is Hitler stuff. Well, I'm sorry, they toned it up in Origin and in in the original series, um, it's much more subtle. Yes, yeah, it, it was pretty blatant in Origin. Yeah, but I mean, I was just thinking, like, looks wise, um, you know, even like the way Garma's drawn, he he kind of looks a little bit more like him in the older yeah. Uh, material here. Yeah. Um, we also see the, the children are promised, uh, and I've made several notes, but I haven't actually mentioned them because it, and I don't want to mention everything, but it, all of, you know, they've, they've brought back the fact several times that there's been these, these child soldiers now that the Federation is using, uh, on white base. And, um, they're basically told you guys should be so happy when all this is done, you're going to get badges of honor. <laughs> <laughs> and Amro and Amro's like, dude, I don't give a shit. I just want to go to sleep. I've been asl- I've been awake for like a week straight. Let me sleep, fuckers. Here's here's one thing that they kind of, and I don't even remember if they go into much detail about it in the series. But Amro's a civilian. He starts piloting Gundam, and then like they keep saying, "Oh, civilians are doing this. Civilians are doing this." And then like the next scene, they're all wearing uniforms, and Amro's like, "You can court martial me if you want." And I'm like. Are they officially conscripted in the military? Do they well, so join? It's, it's interesting. In, in episode four, when they're on Luna 2, 
um, they call out people that are to be separated. And Amro was not called out to be separated um, and arrested. Now, the soldiers pointed guns at him, but he wasn't. He, I think they called out um, Kai and Hayato, Hayato and somebody else, um, yeah. but they, they did not call out Because of daddy. Which, yeah, nah, that's I probably. I give you reason. that. That is very much implied at this point. All right, you only just know, okay, wait, okay, his dad designed it, so he's probably getting special treatment, but they really do not explain that. Yeah, um, so we see it's more more situations where the, the, the kids are just like wrecking this trained Xeon military, um, which it's hilarious at this point, um, uh, how, how much they're just like beating up on yeah. these guys. Um, and I don't think they ever address it, but I think Amuro is the only new type that's defined as a new type, right? Like they don't ever really address like, um, Kai or Hayato as new types, do they? I don't recall. I think there was some discussion about maybe Sayla. Yeah, I think if Sayla's voice actress hadn't gotten sick by the end of Double Zeta, they might've done something with that. Uh, I think they were kind of going somewhere mm-hmm. where that would have been. Like a Luke and Leia kind of thing from Star Wars, which has come up a few times in this episode now, uh, where they would both kind of have that capability. Uh, Yeah, Hayato, they really don't go anywhere with it, and they even have opportunity later on in in Zeta and other places. Yeah. I mean, they're they're all obviously skilled, um, skilled enough to to beat Xeon forces. Um, So we, we mentioned this earlier in Origin series, um, but there, there is a, uh, child abuse counter and we are just about to bring it up two times. Bright slaps the shit out of Amuro twice. Um, and right after that, Frau tells Amuro to stop being a bitch. Um, all right. <laughs> Before we move too yeah. far, apparently... Canonically speaking, and I'm reading this off of a fandom wiki, so grain of salt. <laughs> Apparently, Sela, Mirai, uh, Fraubo, Kai, uh, Katz, Kika, and Letts, who I think are the three little orphans, uh, and Isalina are all new types. Okay, okay. One, of those, one of those is very strange, but yeah, okay. Mirai, I think I remember that from somewhere. Kai, I think it's sort of implied maybe later um, when he's doing his spy stuff for forever and ever. Uh, but yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I think this, they talk about like Char, for example, they say he's technically a new type, but he's like a really, really not good one. He's just really, he's just a really good pilot. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I think I wanted to bring up, I, I thought about this after we just got done talking about something. So I don't know, maybe you just edit this back over there or, or something like that. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the one thing here, we've been talking about origin a lot because again, we just watched it. It's kind of newer. And uh, in that the things like the gun tank and the gun cannon are old models. And the white base already has several of them. Whereas when you transition into watching the TV series or the movies, those are also special new weapons as part of the project. So you get an element of, yes, there is the Gundam, 
but then there are these other super powered things along with it in the gun cannon and gun tank. And then in the show, especially there's some other things about, uh, you know, the different weapons and things that they have. And it's all kind of a little bit more cartoony of a thing than, than what you get out of the movies. Uh, what they do in origin is they have again, multiple gun tanks and gun cannons, and there are additional pilots that are used throughout that story along with Hayato and Kai mm. uh, and Ryu. Like Job John and somebody yeah, else. Yeah, definitely, I definitely got that sense of uh, like the Xeon pilots were like, oh, this, these new these new weapons that they have are so powerful. And it was like gun tank, gun cannons. Yeah, it's one of those things you just have to, you know, if you, if you were to watch Origin and then never have watched this and then watch this, it's a little bit confusing, so... That's why most people don't watch Origin first. Again, if you don't, if you didn't watch them back to back, you probably you probably wouldn't have noticed. Right. So, um, so we guy. see Shar or Garma request assistant from Garma or from Shar. Sorry, I'm getting my names mixed up here. Um, and Shar's like, "Of course, I'll help you out." And he gets a purple screen flash of foreshadowing, um, which I thought was funny. um let's see we you know white base gets rescued by lieutenant matilda um and sharma 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 oh wow (laughs) sharma 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 parties like it's 1899 they they go to like this um crazy victorian party where we we see um uh, garma with his fiance. I think then, that was a Freudian slip for your fanfic. <laughs> Sharma. <laughs> and uh, we, we see we see Shar creeping like a, a dick. Or creeping and being a dick. So I I just I this is really where um we mentioned this a lot, I think especially in episode uh three of Origin. Shar is a dick, and Shar is a dick in this movie from this point on, really. Yeah, this is really the hallmark of when he becomes a dick. And he's drink, drinking hypnotic. <laughs> I mean, oh, there is no one that introduced me to that. There is nothing else that is that blue on this earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, they yeah, are, they, were on earth. they were on this earth. Yeah. Uh, another interesting <laughs> point they are just sort of generally ambiguously in North America in the movie. Whereas in origin, they are very definitely in West Hollywood because that's where Garmo wanted to make his base because of course it would be. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so we see um, white base hiding from the Xeon forces, lots of carpet bombing to try to uh, root them out. Uh, and then um, we see another child get slapped in the, in, in the aspect of, Char's fiance gets the shit slapped out of her. So we're up to three slaps in this episode Gar- already. Garma's fiance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I counted. Uh, Amaro got slapped three times. He, he does. By the end of the show, he gets slapped three times. There's one more slap coming before the end of the show. <laughs> there's there's two slaps uh, in, in the one scene with Bright. Um, when he gets told to stop being a bitch, and then he's like, "Oh, but I get to fight Char. I'm going to go out and fight now." Um, uh, but and then um, the the fiance gets slapped. Yeah, and, uh, and honestly, Amaro deserves Amaro deserves them in the movie. In the movie cut, it's all of the, like 
it's the greatest hits of Amaro being a bitch. And you're just <laughs> like, yeah, God, I'm so glad he slept. He does seem way whinier yep. in this. Because most of his- I, I guess I guess this is like the, the the him being a bitch is kind of what moves some of the plot forward. Right. Um, that's why that's what's left. Right. Yeah, I mean they had to cut they had to cut something something. Um so one thing I actually I, I was starting to note notice at this point is um in in origin and later series they talk a lot about Minoski particles and we don't actually see that conversation here. And we actually see a little bit of inconsistency with future, future shows in the movie um, because they're doing all sorts of like video communication, radar scanning and stuff like that with the Zaku's and the Gundam's like fighting and the whole idea behind the Minoski particles from, from the Gundam and Zaku engines is that they just, uh, basically make this communication impossible. So I have speculation on this. I, this is not fact. This is just me thinking, but these movies were made as a, Oh, Hey, those little model kits we were doing from that show that got canceled early because the ratings sucked. Um, you know, we're going to do these movies to see if we can promote these model kits that have been doing pretty well. We didn't expect that to happen. And maybe they were going through looking at how to condense it and they somebody just said, let's just take one thing off the plate that might be confusing. So that's mm-hmm. just me talking. Maybe somebody thought something didn't work with the TV series. So maybe if we simplify something here and there, because uh, I feel like that was more involved in the, in the series. Um, I could be misremembering because uh, the other thing with Minofsky particles is that you generally have to purposely be spreading them out. So if you just see Xeon and their day-to-day operations using like videos and radio and all that, of course it makes sense because no one has been spreading these particles around to get in the way. So the way I read it is there's, there's two ways for Minofsky particles to appear essentially. One of them is yes, they, they, the ships can purposefully like, like scatter Minoski particles. But the other part I thought was the engines of the uh, mobile suits, actually this, it was a byproduct of them basically turning on. That was the impression I got as well without really thinking super hard about it. Uh, yeah, I think on Earth it's implied that maybe they're using a lot less mobile suits and more tanks and planes and things of that nature, uh, but that's fair, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so after yeah. the carpet bombing, we see um, them finally, uh, Char and his group sneak attack, um, uh, sorry, they sneak attack the white base and the, the Gundam and they, they, they find the white base. Um and then Shar, uh, continuing to be a dick, sends Garma's forces off where they will basically be um, attacked from the back by the white base and yeah, uh, Garma gets killed. What a dick. Yeah, immediate unexplained betrayal. Yep. Which is kind yeah, of- and it's, you know, his move, it, so the white base is hiding in a blown out coliseum. Which yeah. again, in origin, it's the LA Coliseum, literally. But uh, it, it poor Rams. <laughs> they've had a rough week. Uh, anyway, LA doesn't care either way. It's my one sports take of the show. Uh, 
was I saying? Right. Yeah. So basically Garma's big Gao carrier flies over this Coliseum and Char basically tricks them into flying over it in a way where they cannot see the white base concealed within because it's sort of like it's a collapsed stadium, but it's a dome stadium, which is taking some liberties with the LA Coliseum, I realize, but it's a dome stadium. Maybe it was the convention center anyway. Uh, and it's sort of collapsed in a way that makes it like more like a doghouse or igloo. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's shaped like a C kind yes. of, and he's they're hiding within yeah. the, the curvature of the yep. C. So yeah. When, then when they fly over the white base goes, Hey, there's the enemy. We can start attacking them from behind. And uh, yeah. Did, did Char, did Char set off a flare to lure them into that place to set this I all up? That's think what that's, it kind of seemed like to me. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. Cause they saw a big flare and they're like, Oh look, there's a Coliseum. Let's hide in it. And I, I'm pretty, maybe they did say it. Maybe they didn't. I don't know, but I'm pretty confident it just, it was all just part of the ploy. To get, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, in the origin manga, this is a really, really cool uh, sequence of just visual storytelling when Garma is taking the Gao uh, on a, su- basically a suicide dive. Cause he's going, well, I'm dead. But you know what? I'm taking these guys with me. So he puts the gal on a kamikaze course to the white base and the sequential art of, you know, in the different panels of the white base taking off and the gal approaching it. And he does this really cool thing where it, you know, not literally, but it kind of makes it look like the white base almost hops over it as it's taking off. And it's a, if you get to check that out, it's a very cool piece of learning how comic books can tell or manga can tell a story without having to put a bunch of words on the page. And it's very fun. Cool. Um, so we, we briefly see all the zombies together um, and they kind of like, so like part of episode 11, which is what we're covering is, is covered here. It's kind of like cut up a little bit differently in the movie than it is in the TV show. Um, but we see the zombies together um, really for the first time at all um, in this show. We've seen them in origin a little bit together. Um, but it, it was just interesting to see them. Um, and Cassilia is not wearing her... Um, uh, what, <laughs> what, what is the, the bad guy's name from G.I. Joe? Cobra Commander yeah. mask? Cobra? Yeah, she's not... Yeah. I thought she looked more like Shredder. Yeah, yeah she's like a hybrid of, of Shredder and Cobra Commander, I think. Uh, it's too bad Chris Lotta wasn't around to voice Cassilia. That would have been great. <laughs> what is her name in, in the um, British Bright dub? It's like... Area? Yeah, it's really weird. I like I, When they first said it, I was like, what the fuck? Um, anyway. Yeah, I, think, I think they call her Kyseria. Something like that, yeah. So we see them talking a little bit and we'll get back to that later um but so amuro goes back to go see mommy um and finds out that his house is a zeon orgy federation Uh, Federation. oh that was federation yeah oh my god i wasn't drinking i swear i think it was serving to make them look worse to make them to kind of kind of bring them back they're not just the blatant good guy yeah yeah so his house was an orgy which is funny uh all dudes though all dudes hey what happens in war stays in war 
Hey, you know, um, they had their wild Irish rose or whatever kind of terrible bum wine. And we're just, they just needed a place to crash and piss on the floor and things like that. But uh, yeah, anyway, then he goes and ends up finding his mom and there's more stuff with Federation soldiers being terrible. And there's this whole yeah. refugee camp, like kind of scene where the Zeon are inspecting. And then Amaro just fucking wastes this guy, the Zeon guy that comes to inspect. Well, I I don't think he just wastes the guy. The guy is about to like blow his cover because they 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 hear his pager go off and the guy's about about ready to like strip him and so he shoots. I was just the going guy. high level. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so he had he had justification for it. Now the other guy that was running away, um, that's debatable, right? So um, yeah, true. He did chase the guy down and shoot him like eight yeah, times. Yeah, but he missed. All eight times. Well, yeah, we tried to shoot him like eight times. In the yeah, back. but he got away and he got away. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you like one. Like one one shot. Okay, that was fair. Stop, though. Yeah, so uh, at this point, Amaro is kind of like though. ostracized from the village and from his mother. She's like really disappointed in him. She did not deal with it well. No. Well, and it just shows, you know, he, he was brought up with his dad, who was more of a military, like, you got to do what you got to do to survive type person. Well, no, so I think I think in the background of it is is that they were all together, and then right before they went to side seven, he w- they were all together, and he's like, we're going to side seven. She's like, nah, dog, I'm staying right here. And that was it. Like, so it wasn't that long ago that split up yeah it had to have been again probably maybe a year or so at the most at most yeah scotty usually has a hot take on this sort of thing i don't he's just hot this time um (laughs) uh so we see yeah he amro leaves angstily and um he, he sees a fighter fly by uh, and he's like, ah, it's not my problem. Uh, and then he goes and starts blowing up another base that that's nearby. Um, yeah, he he sees he's he 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 pretty much leaves his mom for good at this point. Like he sees her again briefly. Um, and <laughs> there's like a funny quip from from Bright uh, man. New types. What are these guys? What are they? Man, if only we had a few of them on our, our, our crew. Uh, and then you know, cue back to a few minutes ago when Luke read that like the entire crew is new types. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, I think the uh, I think the redheaded uh, what's her name the the captain of the other ship. Lieutenant Matilda. Yeah, she's apparently one. Yeah, of that, them. yeah, she's she's clutch for them. Yeah, we know what Amro's clutching, but. Um... Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Amro is sent to bed to go get some sleep, uh, and he's uh, obviously wanting some Lieutenant Matilda, and, and Frau is very jealous of that. Um, and then we see, um, actually, let's let's jump into episode eleven because this is kind of where they kind of uh, interact. So like, uh, Amro is sent to bed because he's like freaking out obviously um but uh if we watch episode 11 we see why he's freaking out uh but before we get into why he's freaking out i just want to point out that 
the Xeon ships and even the white base uh, in, in these shows are controlled by a boat wheel, like a captain of a, of a ship. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious. So, um, no, they call it, they call it, uh, Mirai out. They're like, Hey, your, your shoulders are too stiff. You got to loosen up your grip. <laughs> I, just, I, feel like... I just thought that was funny. Like, you know, all these things are automated. Like, yeah. And they're still using boat wheels for ships. Well, you know, the, <laughs> maybe maybe they're not even piloting. They're like, give the bridge bunnies something to do. It's fine. But yeah, it's not even. It's it's like a little kid with a Nintendo. It's not even hooked up. Just <laughs> <laughs> the cord off down. We talked like about bright somewhere. You know, being inappropriate with female crew. Maybe he's just yeah. It doesn't do anything, and he's just wanting to look. Who knows. <laughs> all right so refugees they start leaving the ship um so these are the guys that were with them from site seven. Oh, right um, we forgot to mention them yeah, on basically... luna 2 uh, we were talking about yeah that. yeah, yeah. So, so there's a ton of refugees on white base um and at this point they're basically like you fuckers are gonna get us killed because you don't know what you're doing peace yeah. and they're old and they want to get to country and, pension and, and, you know, everybody's like, what, this is the middle of the desert. Are you dumb? They're like, nah, we'll get out. And then shark kills them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was fun. I, I wasn't expecting that when I saw that. I was just like, oh, well, shark just executed a yeah, bunch of I think of that's only movie, right? Or was that? No, that's that's the TV show. Where oh, I'm getting yeah. I think I'm getting confused yeah, I, with origin, where I think most of them go somewhere. Possibly. In in the movie, they're not really addressed. They're shown like occasionally, but they're not really like this scene does not happen right. in the movie. Yep. Um, but yeah, it it just shows again how much of a dick Shar is killing civilians. Um, and we also see the the zombies. Th- this isn't addressed in the movie either. So, like when w- in the what is addressed in the movie is um, when Garma dies. He's basically like, um, you know, Giran will get the message. Um, and in in up in the TV show, zombies are like, we need to get rid of Shar because he's responsible for Garma's death. Yeah. Well, they say um, it so directly in the show where in the movie, you know, they go, well, what about that guy, Shar? He just disappeared. What happened there? And um, Degwin says, well, I guess he just went back to where he came from. And then later you see Chalia Bull, who you don't know who that's, who it is yet, going up to Cassilia and whispering something. And uh, it's all very ambiguous. Uh, in the show, it is not so ambiguous. All right. Um, yeah. So, also in the TV show, something we don't see. So, this is what's leading up to uh, in the movie and the TV show, um, Amro's cataconic state. Um, in in the battle where White Base is just like wiping the floor with Zeon forces. Um, at the end, of, near the end of that battle, um, the, uh, Garma's fiance basically takes over one of the the ships uh and as it's going down she makes it ram the gundam piloted by amuro um and then she's like gonna shoot him from like 100 yards with a pistol and then just ends up jumping off and like breaking her own neck yeah yep i and then 
that's all for this week, kids. Here's your heroes burying a body in the desert. It's a great way to end an episode. Yeah. <laughs> like the music there, it's, it's borderline. <laughs> just like normal elevator music. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was pretty dark. In the even even them showing her fall, I was like, it was pretty creepy. But I was like, man, that's not how she would break her neck if she fell that far. It's it, it yeah, it's not animated super great. <laughs> but uh, this is before there. There's a point in the show where they stop giving a fuck about gore, and it's when they know they've been canned, um, and they are not at that point yet. So I think a little bit of this was what you know, how far can we can we go where we're not going to get in trouble for being too gross on something that we're kind of marketing towards kids. But uh, yeah. So if you watch the TV show, you get this horrible fate for this character. And if you watch the movie, she just kind of disappears and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, but it, you know, kind of the reason I thought that was maybe something important to, to look at is it's a, you know, there's a theme throughout this series and even the meta series in general, where no matter how well intentioned your war is, uh, people that don't really deserve to get hurt and die will get yep. hurt and die. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we see another brief scene with um, with uh, Degwin and Celia, where we're you know they're just basically mourning over Garma a little bit, um, and then we go and we get to see Rambaral and Haman. Uh, this is you know very different from what we've seen in origin because at this point origin they're basically done like they've retired they're hiding out in the bar after Celia's people had gone after them um but in in the original series uh Rambaral is still piloting a, his ship he's got Haman with them um and they're they're doing their thing yeah it didn't really show any of his like disdain towards uh towards Zion and all and I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity that they missed back before they made that a thing. Is this addressed at all in the, the manga? I know we will probably address this later, but is does he come back to Zion in the manga? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alright. Because yes. yeah. I you don't get that from the T V show, I don't think. Like in the T V show it seems like it leaves him off as like you know, fuck y'all. Yeah, I, I, I always got the feeling that maybe Origin started some of that stuff with the Rawls and all that, just for the political drama in the earlier episodes, and it kind of does work for his character, who's eventually shown as maybe one of the more, uh, you know, sympathetic Zeon characters and, and things like that. But um, mm. you know what I like about this, and I've always liked about it, is when he is in when they're in the transport and they're you know they've just come down to earth rumble raw talks about don't be afraid of the lightning and it's i really i always thought this was just a really neat scene because wow i didn't even think about it but the space colonies they control the weather and so of course they're not going to make thunderstorms happen and it's just it was always really interesting to me to you know, that they thought of, I think it's very clever. Sorry. I think it's a very clever thing to do Yeah, uh, to have soldiers that had never been to earth and him be like, it's lightning. Don't freak out. You'll be fine. It's natural here. It just yeah. looks scary. Yeah. Nobody seemed to know what was going on with that. And I, yeah, that was very humanizing. Um, so, so then this, this 
kind of goes into the scene where Amuro breaks from seeing what's her name kill herself. And in the movie, it's not clear. He's just kind of like he zones out. Uh, and then he gets slapped again. So there's our fourth slap of the movie, Amro's third. Um, and then... He's having that, like, like poltergeist yeah. and, like, zone out thing. That was super yeah. creepy. And I, I read that as that was... He basically realized that, you know, like, this is war. That, that you know, uh, Garma's fiance just killed herself. And he has no idea why. He just see somebody jump off of a, off, off of the ship essentially yeah and they have no idea who it is they're like huh yeah. wonder who this was hmm. yeah um so uh we see a a, a brawl with uh Ron Burrall and white base um not much to really say about that it was a good fight but it establishes two things one, that Rambaral is a good pilot and has a new mobile suit that is not a Zaku uh, that is capable of fighting the Gundam. And I accidentally already gave away the second thing we learned, which is that a goof is no Zaku. <laughs> That's no Zaku. And we also see, and this we're right near the end now, and they're kind of like pushing scene by scene by scene. Um, the, the Zabis use Garma um his funeral to basically like set up the second half of the war and basically say like you know we're not gonna let this man die in vain and yada 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 sigzion yep which degwin does not want this to happen but Girin is able to convince his siblings to then kind of talk degwin into it because degwin just wants them to mourn garma's death silently and quietly and just continue on, whereas Girin sees this as opportunity for a very Hitler-esque production. Yeah. Yeah. And Char yeah. watches from a bar. Yep. Yeah, he actually, he he looks very similar to way the way he'll look in, in the next show, in this scene, I think. So Quattro Bagina, oh shit, I mean... <laughs> yeah, Quattro watches from a bar, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was that was a good show, a good movie. Um, I, I liked it. Uh, I need to go back and watch the TV show soon. <laughs> yeah, it's the TV show was really good, man. Like that was like my first. Um, so I had watched a bunch of the spinoff series, and I had never really gotten into UC at all. Uh, and I kind of randomly they threw it up on YouTube, and I kind of threw it on in the background not really paying attention and I got super hooked on it. Yeah, my my first exposure to UC was um was Unicorn, I think, and I had no idea what was going on. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's probably something that you need to uh have experienced the majority of UC before you get into. Yeah, yeah, it helps. You know, it helps to understand it a lot. Yeah, the uh, I think the first episode of Unicorn is pretty okay, but once you get past that, you kind of really need to know. Um, otherwise, it's just a bunch of stuff happening for no reason. Um, the yeah, these movies I think are a really great introduction to Universal Century, and I, I I always just recommend watch the three compilation movies if you like it. Watch the series. Uh, yeah. If you don't. Um, just move on to the other spinoffs and things like that, because it is the, as the original series, it is 
the oldest, I mean, the next oldest series is still seven years after this one. And, um, you know, on the, on the fictional calendar and in the real life production calendar, when you look at it and, um, you know, the pacing is really slow at times in the series, which is why I recommend the movies, because I think the chances of getting burnt out on the series and never finishing it, if you start with the TV show, I think it's a real thing. Um, most people don't recommend what I just said of watch the movies and then the series, but I'm, I, I would personally stick to that recommendation. Most of the people who make that recommendation are diehard fans. True. And I think it depends. So I think it depends on your tolerance for old style animation. Um, if, if you're somebody that doesn't care about animation quality, um, you can watch the entire series if you have the time for it. But the movies actually, they, they redo a lot of the fight scenes and things like that um, and make them a little bit more modern. Because, I mean, they were done a few years after the show came out, but it was a few years enough that they um, they did redid some of the scenes and th- they did a lot of editing. So you miss a lot of story, um, just like you, I mean, you, when you're condensing um, uh, 12, 13 episodes down to uh, a two-hour movie you're going to miss a lot of stuff but um i think they get the good gist of it enough that you can continue like you can continue into um the next series if you've watched it yeah for sure um and and another thing on the animation quality uh, if you do buy the official releases which are out on blu-ray so if you want to watch it in english you kind of have to go with the series uh and that is cleaned up in the movies as well i mean the cleanup job they did on these for Blu-rays is incredible. It, it's really, really well done. They don't do this for every series that they put over to Blu-ray. Um, some of the, like, like Wang, it's barely looks better than your DVDs do. But like this one, this is like the full-on Disney hand job Blu-ray treatment. Well, it's it's a lot more common for episodic animes now to be released with lower quality on a week by week basis. And then when the Blu-rays come out, they've basically redone tons of the panels. And um, I don't know exactly why that is, um, but that seems to be the case for a lot of series that are out there. I think I knew that. All right. So any, any closing thoughts for, for uh, mobile suit Gundam movie one and then, also, episode four and eleven. I give it four char sparkles out of five. <laughs> hmm. I forgot we did this part, and so I didn't think about it very hard. Personally, this is probably a. If I go objective, it's like a three out of five. If I go just my own personal subjective opinion. It's like a four out of five for establishing all the tropes and the pacing and everything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd agree with that, Scotty bearing in mind, I've seen the original series and gaps. I know, I know what, what's filling those gaps just because I've seen the original series. I've seen origin. I've seen a lot of this, this universe. I, I'm going to give this one a four out of five too. And, and even though it has the, the problems of a early 1980s, movie or tv show um 
it it's still got so much so much action it's got a good story even again if you consider the movie is is butchering a lot of stuff they still did a really good job about it and 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 i'm sure we'll get to that when we cover some of the later shows that have compilation movies some of these other compilation movies are atrocious um but this yeah. this one is really well done um and i think it's a good setup it's in and good continuity from what we've seen so far even with the mismatches between the original series and origin you still you, you and 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 I'm going to keep comparing this stuff back and forth because what we're doing in this podcast is basically saying we're starting at at day 0 and and moving forward so we're going to note these inconsistencies and we're going to note like from series to series like because they weren't necessarily made in production production order is not necessarily you see timeline order so um oh, yeah that's a whole that's a whole can of right so we're i think this fits great within the the timeline i think it's a good show i think it's a good you know it's it's setting us up for great things down the line uh, and on its own i think it's it's fun to watch yep and I really hope they continue making the origin OVAs and cover this part of the story. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to have a remake of the show. Um, and, and just apparently they've been teasing it for years. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll see it after Hathaway's flash. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't, I didn't sigh like that because of Hathaway's flash. I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm just thinking of oh, it's that many more years. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think my re, you know, my opinion right now is a little bit, tainted by having just read through all of the origin manga again. And I think that is a lot better in a lot of ways than the show's approach, but the show is also like almost 40 years old now. So got to keep that in mind too. All right. So thanks for sticking with us guys. Um, Next episode, we're going to cover the second movie and we're also going to cover episode 15 uh, the last episode and episodes 27 and 28. So go ahead and, and watch those before you uh, listen to the next episode of the podcast. Um, again, thanks for listening. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at skank and monkey. Um, you can catch the podcast on Twitter at new type flash pod. Uh, Scotty, Scotty two underscores and the letter P Scotty underscore underscore P Luke at easy stuff all right thanks again uh look forward to hearing from you uh see you next time bye